You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, good evening. Happy Monday evening to you and thank you so much for joining me today. Again, this is the Manifesting God podcast and I am your host, Marie Elizabeth. Thank you for joining me. I'd appreciate it if you tag, if you tag your friends, if you share and notify with the public, just let everyone on that we are on tonight and we want to bless God in this place because guess what? No matter what has come since I've last talked to you, no matter what you've been up against, you, ma'am, you, sir, are still standing. So that means it is still deal well with you. And I'm so glad to have you on this evening. God has been good. God has been gracious and ever so kind to each and every one of us. And I'm grateful today for the presence of God, not only in my life, but in your life, because he's kept you. He's kept you. Danger seen and unseen. That which you know not, he has kept you from. That he has kept you from it. When when provision didn't seem like it was going to manifest, didn't it show up? And didn't it show up right on time, just when you needed it, just when you needed it most, just when you were about to throw your hands up, God showed up and he said, hey, I am still here. I am still here to meet your needs. You ought to be giving God glory. Your family members are still alive and they're still healthy. And those that have gone on to be with the Lord are in a greater place. They are with the Lord God. But you, ma'am, you, sir, still have a purpose. You still must complete what God has assigned to your hand, what he's assigned specifically to your hands. Now let's get going here. So remember last week, last week we talked a little bit about the church of Philadelphia. We were in Revelations three and we just covered verses seven and eight. And remember my main focus at that time was just talking about the church of Philadelphia, where it says in Revelations three and eight, that they had little strength. They had little strength, little inherent power, little moral power, little excellent of soul, but it didn't say they had none. They just had little. They had little, but they still, with the little that they had, they kept, they kept the word of God. They didn't simply observe it. They didn't simply reserve it, but they guarded it. They guarded it. They kept it. They did not deny the word of the Lord. They held it close Close. And God said for them, the letter told us specifically for this church that he was going to place before them an open door, an open door that no one could shut. And if you recall, I began to speak about understanding how God 
how God will open doors for us. We talked about having a plan for that God has the plan for our lives and whatever we ask, as long as it's in God's plan for our lives, as long as it's in his purpose for our lives, he's going to provide that need. And so we talked about my need and his supply and we begin to understand our needs, our needs. And as I thought on that word, I literally skipped ahead to Revelations 3 and 14 to the church of Laodicea. And the reason why I thought about them is because the scriptures tell us that they thought that all their needs had been met. They thought, they thought that all of their needs had been met. So tonight we need to go from understanding our needs as related to God's plan and God's supply for that plan that he's going to work through us we need to understand the need and the, the the needs and the and how necessary it is to examine supply supply and demand supply and demand tonight we're going to talk about supply and demand, supply and demand. And the reason why we're going to talk about that is because we need to start examining what we have. Laodicea, the church of Laodicea, they 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 understood that they had all of their needs met, but they didn't quite understand that that wasn't the supply that God himself had delivered to them. Remember, Philippians 4 and 19, it says, and my God, he will liberally supply. He's going to fill to the full. Remember, I said that on last week, your every need that's according to his riches and glory. However, however, when we consider the word demand, that word that I'm injecting into this text, when we consider that word, we must realize that that is a word of the world. It represents in the world economy. It represents consumer. It represents consumption. It represents the services that consumers, that they deem necessary, that they deem necessary in order to meet their needs. And it also talks to the price. It demand speaks to the price that said consumers are willing to assign to that need. So it's all about what the consumer wants, what services the consumer wants, and what they're willing to pay for those services. And the reason, again, why that word came to my mind is because, listen to this in Revelations 3 and 14. Let's start talking just a little bit about the church of Laodicea. I'm skipping ahead. Remember, we're going to go back and finish up the church of Philadelphia. And I'm going to show you where that remainder of the text where he talks about the church of Philadelphia in that letter, how it fits in. But right now we're skipping ahead because we're, we talked about Philadelphia and we talked about my need and God's supply. But today we need to understand supply and demand. We need to separate what God provides from what it is that we provide. And is that indeed what God actually wanted? Laodicea thought so. The church thought so. And they found out that they were absolutely, absolutely wrong in what they considered supply. It was indeed their demand. 
it was their demand. Revelations 3 and 14 says, and unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, right? And I'm reading in the Amplified Version, these things saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation, God. So we're not just, we, he's making it clear. This is the one who said, amen. I agree with me that I am the faithful and I am the true witness, the beginning of creation, God. So he's making himself known who is speaking to them. He's making it clear who exactly is talking to them. He said, I know your works. In verse, verse 15, he says, I know your works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. I'm sorry, right now I'm in the King James Version. And he says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increase. Thou sayest, thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need goods there. That's the word that took me to demand because consumers, they place the value on the goods on the on the worldly things that they feel as though they need we place the value on that how through our demand how much of it we purchase and what we're willing to spend on that we dictate those prices as consumers and he says here because thou sayest i am rich thou sayest i am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou he said you don't even know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked now, let me read this again in the Amplified Version. I just love to read through the Amplified Version because not only does it give us the scripture, but it explains the words as it goes along. It like inserts the wording, the meaning of a specific word as we go along. It will insert the Greek or the Hebrew meaning as we go along. Again, this is in the Amplified Version to the angel divine messenger of the church of Laodicea, right? Verse, let's see. These are the words of the, amen, the trusted and faithful and true witness, the beginning and origin of God's creation. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold, invigorating or refreshing, nor hot, healing, or therapeutic. I wish that you were either invigorating or refreshing or healing and therapeutic, but you're not. So because you are lukewarm, lukewarm, and in parentheses, the amplified version says that you are spiritually useless, spiritually useless, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. In parentheses, it says, rejecting you with disgust, because you say, because you say, I am rich and have prospered and have grown wealthy and have need of nothing. 
you know, and here the scripture reference that it pointed me to as I begin to read through the actual paper Bible. You guys remember the actual paper Bible and remember how I talked about in the center. It will have scripture references to kind of help you pull the whole picture together so that you have a full picture painted before you. And you can really understand what that scripture says. It points me to Hosea, Hosea 12 and 8 in the Amplified Version. It says Ephraim said, I have indeed become rich and a powerful nation. I have found wealth for myself. I found wealth for myself and all my labors. They will not find any wickedness that would be sin. I decided for myself that I can provide for myself and in all my work in all my labors, there's nowhere where anyone's going to find wickedness that would be considered sin. This is what Ephraim has made up their mind to believe. And see, remember now the book of Hosea, it depicts to us the unfaithfulness of Israel to God and their lack of reverence and recognition for his love towards them. They took his love for granted. They took his love for granted. Have you ever taken the love of God for granted? Have you ever taken his provision for granted? For granted. You just assumed it was going to be there because of the work of your hands that God was going to provide. Tell me this. Have you ever confused God's supply with your demand? Have you ever thought that what was provided for you for a specific plan that because the provision was there, that automatically made the plan of God? You never sought to examine how the provision came about. Was it supply supplied by God or was it your demand as a consumer of that specific of that specific plan that you yourself created? See, what happened with this church is that they this church was, first of all, it was a church. It was along that line of um of, of trade where, so they were wealthy. And the problem was this, and, and scriptures compared Laodicea and the church of um, Smyrna, of Smyrna, because Smyrna was a church that if you remember their letter, the letter that I read to you all from Revelations, when we talked about the church of Smyrna, they were poor. They didn't have much. And see, they didn't have much because at this time they had decided they made a conscious decision that they weren't going to bow, bow down to, to gods of emperors. They weren't going to bow down to gods that were other than their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this limited their ability to buy and sell in the market, in the wealthy place. This limited their ability. But see, the church of Laodicea, what they decided instead was they figured out a means. They reconciled within themselves a way that made it okay. It made it okay for them to buy and sell in the market and, and bow down to the, to the emperor God at that time so that they could have that right to buy and sell in the market and they could still have demand. They could still have what they demand. So they had plenty. They had 
plenty. But what they didn't understand was what they had was not God's supply, but it was indeed their demand. When they decided at that time, at that time, there was an emperor in charge and his name was Damatean. And this particular emperor, he was the first one to literally consider or call himself um, by, by legal standards at that time, a God. And he demanded that people worship him, that Christians specifically worship him. They had to worship him in order to have access to what at that time was their livelihood, the means to buy and sell. And if you were not going to bow down to him as God, as the self-proclaimed God, then your rights, your, your rights to buy and sell in the marketplace were restricted if they existed at all. And the church of Laodicea compromised so that they could be able to buy and sell and still have their livelihood. Have you ever, have you ever compromised, compromised, whether it be knowingly or unknowingly to have what it was you need, but then called it provision, Oh, God made a way for me to have this or that. When the truth of the matter is it was not God's supply, but it was your demand. It was you who made the, who chose to, to, to compromise the, the compromise, the requirements of God so that you would still be able to participate in exchange. In exchange, I exchange my services, my, my money for this service, or I exchange my time for this service, or I exchange my whatever for your whatever, even though, even though your whatever was not God provided, it was actually you, me. It was actually us who actually created the avenue for that exchange, created the will, if you would say, for that exchange to be able to happen. So that provision actually came through our demand and not God's supply. See, the church of Smyrna, they waited on God supply and they made enough with what they had in their hand. They made it enough. The church of Laodicea took it upon themselves to implement ways to be able to satisfy emperor servanthood or emperor worship so that they could be able to buy and sell in the marketplace, in the marketplace. So indeed, they sacrificed nothing. Indeed, but they called, they considered their provision as God's means of helping their, their compromise as God's way of giving them everything they need to the point that they felt like they had everything that they need. They had need of nothing in their mind. They had need of nothing. But you see here, Christ is saying in this letter, he's saying to them, you think. You think that you've decided and you've called yourself rich and you've said that you have everything that you need. But what you don't see, what you do not know is that you are indeed wretched. You are miserable. You are poor. Like, remember, he told the church of Smyrna, you are poor, but you are rich. Because, see, they were rich in God. They were rich in their relationship, in their understanding, in their provision from God. They were rich in God's will and God's purposes. They didn't sell out so that they could have stuff. 
and then label it as God's provision. They wanted God's actual provision. Whereas the church of Laodicea, they conjured up a thing in their mind to, to say that God made way for me to have this. When the truth of the matter, they were poor. They were blind and they were naked. So for every piece of clothing you bought in God's eye, you were naked. For everything that you saw that you grabbed hold of and made way to have, you were actually blind and you were actually poor. You are actually poor. Imagine having everything that you need. All of your bills are paid. All of your, you, matter of fact, you don't even have bills except your monthly expenses, water, heat, electric, whatever. You have more than enough clothes in your closet. Everything you can, you can shop whenever you choose to shop. You can buy food or have dinner uh, out if you choose to whenever you want to, because you're saying I am rich. I have everything that I need. However, However, the compromising decisions that you made to have those things, you ignored those and put those to the side. But God is saying here, I will not ignore them. I see them. I see your wretchedness. I see that you are miserable. I see that you are a miserable example of my, uh, uh, showing a miserable example of my provision. I see that you are poor, poor in spirit, poor in relationship with me. I see are blind. You don't even see me. You don't even see or comprehend your current state. You are naked. You don't, you are standing before me naked and all your self surprising wealth. But we are standing before God naked. What, what brought me to the church of it was, of course, from Philadelphia, understanding opening doors are God opening doors that no man can shut. But let me let's just let me just paint a picture for you here where 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 we tend to insert ourselves into God's uh, supply to the point of interruption, to the point of interruption so that our demands can be met. Because a lot of times, or most times, our demands are not going to match God's supply. Sometimes we, even as adults, can be as little children. We want everything. But everything, as Paul said, I can do all things. I can I can have all things, but that's, that doesn't make it good for me. It doesn't make it feasible. It doesn't make it right. For me to have all of those things. So some things I deny myself because I know that God wouldn't want me to have that because it will take me down a path that leads me away from God. It leads me away from power, from God. And sometimes we are more consumed with our demands, our desires, than we are with waiting patiently for God's supply. So now we've created a plan in the flesh, and now we use our consumer, our demand to go provide for that plan. And all along, we're calling it God. We're calling it God. So let's 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 pause for a moment. It's been a year. It's been a year since we've um, 
dealt with COVID since COVID was first introduced, like actually um, introduced, because I recall last year around December and January and February, you hear you heard rumorings, you know, uh, mumblings of COVID-19, but there had not been a lot of a whole lot of cases or a whole lot of talk about it. Finally, Come March, it was just like literally like overnight you walk into your I would walk. I walked into my job and they were like, we need y'all to go home. And I sat down thinking I'm going to go home at the end of the day. And they came back. No, you need to go home right now. And then we found out that floors above us, people had gotten COVID and that the, the cleaning crew, the disinfected crew was working their way down to our floor. That We had 15 floors and it started on the 15th floor and it literally was trailing down to the 15th to the ninth floor where I was at to the point where they were rushing us out of the building to get out of the building. We have learned a whole lot since then. I'm not one that had ever um, um, consciously lived through a pandemic. So I've learned a whole lot throughout this time, throughout this year throughout this year of what a p- pandemic looks like, how it affects the body, how it affects the mind, how it affects the economy, you know, and how how it should and should not be handled. We've learned a lot. So is the same. I'm talking, that was worldly things that we've learned that had to do with the world. So is the same that we've learned spiritually. We've learned spiritually what is acceptable to God And what is not acceptable to God. He has taken the time over this year to personally, personally teach each and every one of us. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. I've done quite a few podcasts in this year, but this is the first time that we've actually gone through the letters of revelation where God is literally talking to the churches, telling them specifically, this is what I see. This is what you're doing. This is how I see it. And this is what needs to change. Each book is telling us, this is what I see. This is what you're doing. This is what I see, God is saying. And this is how it's going to need to change, how it's going to need to change. And furthermore, he's also telling us, and if it changes, this will be the reward. Now, if it doesn't change, change. this will be the reward, right? So we, he's literally walking us through what he wants and what he doesn't want. So now, last night, I could hear the wind. I could hear the wind blowing, but as the word of God tells us, you hear it blowing, but you don't know from which direction it's going to come. So you hear it blowing. You literally hear a whistle when it's blowing so incredibly strong. And then I would hear it slam against the bedroom window, just slam. And it hit so hard that you would think that the glass was about to shatter. So I jumped up because it was. It seemed as if the window was about to shatter because it would hit so hard. You could hear the, the uh, trash cans blowing down the street. You could hear, you know, anything that was loose blowing down the streets. You could, I mean, literally it seemed like you could hear the shingles coming off roots, roofs, the, um, the siding coming off the sides of homes because the wind in my area was that strong. The, le- the wind was literally moving things. 
moving things from one area to another. It was moving, like you could hear it blowing and moving things from one area to another. It reminded me of this past year where we were literally being thrust from one place to another. We were literally being moved if we caught what was being taught to us through our leadership, through what we were reading in our Bibles. As we studied the word of God, we should have been moving from place, from dispensation to dispensation, uh, from glory to glory. However you want to say it, we should have been moving in places in God being drawn even closer to God so that we begin to clearly, even more clearly than we had in the past, understand what God is requiring of us, of us. So that would mean, that would mean that we should be standing in a different place than we were a year ago. Now, can we say that? Can we actually say that we are not standing in the place that we were a year ago? Can we honestly say, as the scriptures are pointing out us to us today, that we clearly understand our need from our demand? Can we clearly say that we understand that? Can we clearly say that we understand what God is requiring of us? And I'm challenging you today because if you're saying, yes, I can understand, you should be able to write down what you understand and where in the scriptures that you got that understanding from. I understand this because the Bible says that. I understand that because the Bible says this. Now the practice comes into place where now we should be walking in a different place than we were walking before. We should no longer be the same vessel as before. Because guess what? When the wind comes and it moves and as it does so strongly, it thrusts you into another location. It thrusts you into another direction. So while you can hear the whistlings, the whistlings of the wind coming, you didn't know which direction it was coming from. It could have came to your left and thrust you over to the right. It could have came to you from behind and thrust you forward. It could have came to you forward and thrust you to the left. It could have, it should have. What I'm saying to you is you should be moved. You should be moved with everything that has happened. We should have a better understanding of who God is today to us than we had March last year, March last year. See, the church of Laodicea, this was a church that, of course, they were, I said they were on that main trade part of the river. So they understood buying and selling. That was their livelihood. But when the word of God was introduced to them, when the word of God was introduced to them, they were thrust forward into a place of understanding. But somehow, somehow, even though they were thrust forward into a place of understanding, they somehow managed to maneuver themselves to their left or to their right to insert, insert the very thing that they were supposed to have left behind back into, back into 
their demand. So they interrupted God's supply of wisdom, God's supply of knowledge, God's supply of understanding, God's supply of relationship with their own demand, with their own demand. Where today, let's think about this, where today might you, might you subtly, subtly introduce your demand into God's supply? into this new supply, this new supply of understanding, this new supply of revelation, wisdom, of relationship, where might you insert? Because should you insert your demand there, then we will know like the church of Philadelphia, you did not guard the word that was deposited into you. See, because we've all been through so much in this past year, so much in the previous four years in this country, just with the leadership, we've been through so much. Where where might we have or where might we feel the need to insert our demand into God's supply? Where might we not guard that word so that we some kind of way insert ourselves into God's supply, insert our, our wishes into God's plan? and be led astray to the point where God is telling us once again, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked, wretched and miserable. I don't know about you, but that's where we were a year ago. That's where the church was a year ago. Do we want, I don't want to see that place again. I don't want to see that place, that disappointment where God is so disappointed in us again that he shuts us down because we refuse. We refuse to guard his word. We refuse to honor his request. What are we going to do to guard the word of God? What are we going to do to assure that we ourselves individually, not anyone else, what am I going to do to make sure that I stand worthy of a relationship that God is trusting me with? What am I going to do that I remain that container, that pure container of God's word and his will and his purpose that he can still exergy, that he can still exercise his words in and through me? What and what, how am I going to guard that? See, because now we're getting to the point where the church is about, the church is about to, uh, the doors of the church, if, if you will, are about to be open. The doors of the church are about to be open. What are we going to do with our second chance? What are we going to do with our second opportunity that God is giving us? Are we going to give God more of the same? Or have we forgotten that fast? What God does not want that we are yielding back into that, that comfortable place so that we can be comfortable, so that our demand can be met and our plan can be fulfilled. Not God's plan, not God's supply. It is worth a consideration. We are back at Easter again. Christ said, we, we are we going to make Christ descend again? 
and ease us again and give gifts unto us again? Or are we going to walk in the holiness that God requires of us, which, by the way, requires a conscious I'm after today. God is after today. Your conscious decision. He wants to know what's it going to be. What is your decision? See, we have to make a conscious decision to walk in where the wind dropped us off at, to walk in it. To walk in that new place, that unfamiliar place, that uncomfortable place. We have to make that decision. Why? Because it's going to take a conscious decision to maintain that place. It's going to take a conscious decision to continue to grow in God from here. We have to make a conscious decision not to let the enemy run, run rap shot through our minds and through our thoughts, through our mouths, through our tongues, through our heart. We have to make a conscious decision. We can no longer blame it on anyone. Why? Because God taught us alone and we were in our homes maintaining it alone. So so now what happens when the doors of the church are open? What are we doing? Where are we going? What are we going to do with God's time? Because it's God's time. We do know that, right? It is God's time. It's God's will. It's God's purpose. It's all God. It's all God. Or are we going to revert back to know it's all me? No, it's all my plan. It's all about my demand and God will get on board. No, God won't. And I think he's made that perfectly clear. I will not. I will not sign on to your plan. I will not sign on to your demands. I will not sign on to your will or your purpose. I want your decision because why? The doors of the church are opening slowly. So we're going in and then we're coming back home. And then we wait a while, then we're going in and then we're coming back home. So are we going to, so we, we're getting like um, uh, little teasers to go out and let's see what you do with that. Let's see what you do with that before I before I let you come back out again. Let's see what you do with that. Or are we just going to uh, just just revert to what's comfortable? Just revert to what's comfortable, comfortable. See, because the church of Laodicea, they were not willing. They were not willing to part with their, their means. They were not willing to part with the idea of having what their own hands could supply to them. They weren't willing to depart from that. So because they weren't to depart from that, while they were naturally wealthy and naturally had everything they needed, spiritually were poor and spiritually they were naked. Are we going, what is the choice? Is the choice to be spiritually clothed in righteousness and to have God meet all of our needs or is our choice to be spiritually naked, spiritually poor, spiritually wretched, spiritually miserable. What is your choice? God wants to know your decision. What is your decision? Because he's not going to push any longer. He's not going to beg any longer. 
He's not going to thrust you any longer. You are either going to do this God's way or no way at all. Not according to God. It's God or it's the enemy. So we're either going to follow God, the true and living God, that is, as he says here, the amen, the trust and faithful true witness, the beginning and origin God. We're either going to follow him. We are going to follow Satan. We're going to follow the God of this world. We are going to, as a church of Laodicea did, we are going to submit to the emperor of this world who calls himself God, Satan. Which one are we doing? What exactly do you want? Some of us have lived long enough on this earth to know that there is no good in this earth, nothing but lust of the flesh, the eyes, the pride of life. There is nothing good that dwelleth in this flesh. So why? So why are we making the choice so hard? What do you want? What do you want? Do you want eternal life everlasting with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a pure relationship, a pure, uh, a pure understanding, or is it easier? Is it easier to just forsake God altogether and, and resort to the world system where you can have all of your worldly needs met, but be spiritually poor? Do we, or do, see, cause we can't mix it anymore. Uh, Nicolai Nicolaitans, we can't mix it any anymore. We're not going to mix it anymore. We're not going to we're not going to take a little bit of 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 God and and mix it in with a little bit of the flesh. And and long as we're praying and reading the Word of God, we can do anything we want in our flesh. We're not going. God is not tolerating it anymore. How do I know? Because if you were on the feed when I went through the uh, letters and revelation, then you're responsible for that. You know better. You now know better. You now know better. Yeah. Yeah. You know better. And so now you're responsible for that. You're responsible for what you heard. You're responsible for what you heard. You have to decide what church you want to be of. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's, it, it, it's something, isn't it? It's, 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 it's either, let me say it like this. It's either really tough or it's really simple. It's either really tough or it's really simple. See, because God is not begging anymore. I promise you, God is not begging you anymore. This time when God says go and this is my plan, go outside of this plan if you want to. I'm getting far away from you. Go as go on your own plan if you want to. And you're going to get your own results. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What exactly do we want? What do we want? Do we want God's supply or do we want our demand. God's supply or our demand. We're talking about supply and demand. Supply is what God gives. Demand is what we do. And we do it just out of that, out of demand, what we desire, what we can't wait for, what we want now, what we believe we can go create ourselves and supply for. It's all about me, 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 me. But God's supply, 
God's supply can meet more needs than yours alone. God's supply will supply not only um, your plan, but your neighbor, neighbor's plan, the breath that you're connected to and the breath they're connected to and the breath they're connected to. And they're all going to join together so that God's plan is manifested in the earth realm. That's all I had to tell you tonight. Which one do you want? We have to make a decision. God is after our decisions this evening. He is not no longer compromising. He is no longer waiting. He says, I'm about to turn this thing around. I will have the remnant to wait no more. I will send them to the people that are charged and qualified and disciplined, disciplined enough to follow my instruction to raise up my people. But if that is not you, God has said, I'm, I will, I I will cast you aside and I will raise up another because I will and I will um, graft you out and engraft another in. He is no longer waiting. He is asking today for your decision. What is your decision? What is your choice? I want your choice. Is it going to be me or is it going to be Satan? Is it going to be the natural or is it going to be spiritual? What do you want? We're hearing our leadership every week, every week, pointing us to God, pointing us to decisions that pointing us to what God requires of us. Now God is saying enough, enough. In your time, you've heard from me 365 days of what I want, what I require. Enough. Give me your decision. Give me your decision. Give me your decision. Father God, let's pray in the name of Jesus. I thank you today. I thank you today for your word that brings life and light and causes us to know the hope of our calling that is in you, oh God. And to God, today, God, we lift our hands and we say we choose you. Our mind chooses you. Our mouth chooses you. Our heart chooses you. Our hands choose to build your will and your purpose. Our feet choose to move in destiny and purpose. We want your will to be done in us. We want your kingdom to come and we welcome you today. God. Live in us, God, in the name of Jesus. Cause your plans to be made manifest in us. Cause your will and your purpose to be made manifest in us. Oh God, use us for your glory. Use us for your will. Use us for your purpose, oh God. We submit unto you today, oh God. We wash our hands of the works of the flesh, God, in the name of Jesus. And we cleanse our hands for spiritual building. We will to build the kingdom of the Lord, God. We will your purposes in us, God, manifest today in us and through us because we choose you. We choose you, oh Lord God. We choose you. We choose you. We choose you. We choose you. Cover us with your blood. Reveal your purpose unto us, God. In the name of Jesus, reveal your plans unto us, God. In the name of Jesus, fill our hands with your supply. Your supply. Your supply. We cast down and crush underfoot. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Lord God, we align our mind to your mind. We align our tongue to your tongue. We align our ears to your ears. We align our hands to your hands so that we might build. So that we rebuild. 
so that we might rebuild, rebuild, that we might rebuild, we call forth the ears of the remnant now, we tap you on the shoulder, wake up out of desolate, call my shot, people of Wait your arrival, that we might impart and impart the life-giving word unto you in the name of the Lord God, Sarah or the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord be done. The kingdom come. The will of the Lord be done. And your kingdom come in this earth, in this earth. The will of the Lord be done and your kingdom come. We make room for your kingdom to come. We make room for your kingdom to come. We make room in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. I thank you so much for joining me on this evening. I will see you on next Monday at 7. Please pray for me, my family, for you and yours. Every one of you under the sound of me, I pray for all my listeners and I pray that God would touch you, just bless you and that he'll keep you until we meet. And thank you so much for joining me. I will see you on next Monday at 7 p.m. They love the lime like a window stage, they like them, reduce the bedroom.